This week on Retronauts, we would like to play. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Retronauts. I am your host for this one, Bob Mackey, and today's topic is the Nintendo Wii. Yes, the Nintendo Wii is now old. Uh, it was old in November officially at turn 10, and that's when I wanted to record this episode, but so much horrible things happened to me. Uh, first, you were actually dead that I, I, I was dead, and I, I briefly went to hell, and uh, I'm back now here to talk that's about the Wii. That's where we all are now. Yes, uh, now yes. we're all in hell, so, uh, you know, it wasn't so bad, you guys. Just... Uh, you get used to it, I think. So let's see who else is here today. Talk about the Wii. What's up? It's a me, Mario. No, wait, Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> and uh, who else do we have here today? Uh, flagrant non-Wii expert Michael Raparez. Oh, man, what are you doing here, Michael? I don't know. Oh, wait, I invited you. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, and then we also have... Is that nepotism? Uh, number one Red Steel player in the world, Brett Elson. Wow. I have not seen the leaderboards in some time, so I'm going to take your word for it. That's not true. <laughs> I, I'd still believe you, though. So, I, I just felt like I couldn't claim to be a Wii expert in Brett's presence <laughs> since he was the Wii editor. Yeah, it's a weird – well, I'm sure we'll get into it. But yeah, I mean, that's why uh, – I mean, Jeremy has to be here by by law, by Retronaut's oh, law. <laughs> but uh, I, I brought on Brett and Michael because they were in the industry uh, as journos uh, when the Wii launched. I wasn't. I was just a, uh, a jerk. Uh, who would eventually become a freelancer the next year. And I was on the outside, so we're going to have different perspectives about this. Uh, And we won't be talking about the virtual console because Jeremy had an episode about that. I believe it was called 10 Shitty Years of Virtual Console. Uh, The first time there was a swear and a Retronauts uh, Retronauts title. So there you go. So um, I want to say that I got a lot of this information from the Iwata Asks about the Wii. Uh, I believe it might have been the first Iwata Asks or one of the first, definitely. Mm-hmm. But um, it is an extremely, extremely long, really, really in-depth conversation about the Wii. They talk about certain aspects for much longer than you would suspect, like the photo channel. We'll get into that later. But it's very interesting. All of my information about the Wii comes <coughs> from that. Uh, also other interviews. But if you really want to read everything outside of what we talk about on the show, definitely check that out. I'll have a link to it on the blog when this episode posts. But before we start, I do want to go over some basic uh, basic info about the Wii just to, in case you forgot. Um, so its original release date was in November 19th, 2006, and it released a bit later in Japan, December 2nd, 2006, uh, at the retail price of $249.99. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking it was one ninety nine, but I guess originally it was two forty nine, uh, undercutting the competition by fifty to one hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, actually, this... it was wasn't no PlayStation three was like five ninety five hundred ninety nine American uh, dollars. I, I forgot that came that. out at the same, the same and, time, and I worked more to buy one that year. Actually, <laughs> that's I had to get a second job. And it's just so easy to do that, isn't it? Especially when there's a huge recession. <laughs> um, so this had many many firsts for Nintendo. Uh, this was the first console for them that had online capabilities right out of the box. No, no buying a modem or anything like that. Uh, the first uh, console with internal storage, uh, the first console with backwards compatibility. Of course, you could play your GameCube games on the Wii. Uh, the first console with a home screen that had functionality beyond just choosing a game. Uh, the DS had a sort of a home screen kind of thing, but that was a bit different. Um, this, this you could update the OS, uh, and you can buy things digitally online because that was happening now in, in, the, uh, in the realm of consumers 
buying things online, digital software. And this console sold a lot. Uh, this console sold 102 million <coughs> units, making it the only the third best-selling console uh, to date. Uh, so it's slightly under the PS1, and nothing in the history of the world will ever beat the PS2, which sold yeah. 50 million more. Because essentially, the PS2 was just a DVD player as well. So yeah. Yeah. that is how it really got into people's homes. That um, was my peak retail Toys R Us years, and it was like... Every single hour of every day for five years, just, just those PS2s, 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 huge pyramids of blue boxes in front yep. of you, uh, and, moving uh, out the door. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we all we talk a lot about Nintendo on the show, and uh, we we usually view them as a very conservative company. But the Wii was uh, it really belies that. I mean, there are a lot of conservative aspects of the Wii, but mm. it is a very um, unexpected move for a company like Nintendo to make, where uh, they did the complete opposite of every other uh, console manufacturer. Instead of just building off of making the bigger, better thing of the last thing, it's like it's a completely new idea, completely new concept, and. Um, it, we'll go into why they made these choices, but um, it's a very interesting conversation uh, on that Iwata asked between all the developers. So some key figures in the development of the Wii, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like reciting all these all these notes, but I will give you guys a chance to jump in soon. So we have uh, Satoru Iwato, RIP, of course. Um, this is uh, previously a console at Nintendo was just designed by a guy, and it was usually, what's his name, Uehara? Or? Uimura. Uimura, that's right. Uh, this time it was a team. Well, that's, that's not quite true. The N64 was developed by a team. It was co-developed with Silicon Graphics. Okay, cool, yeah. It was, uh, right, yeah. <clears throat> it was very collaborative. So we have a, we have a few memorable names uh, from this. We have Genyo Takeda. If you want to know more about him, see our Punch It episode. He is ma- mainly a hardware designer um, who's done a lot of great things for Nintendo. He's directed a few games like Punch Out and Star Tropics, but mm-hmm. um, he's mainly known for hardware. And he is Nintendo's oldest employee. I think he's mm-hmm. now been there over forty years, uh, and he has not retired yet. So he's still hanging in there. And he was one of the main figureheads of the Wii. Uh, and a lot of these guys that, that follow Satoru Iwata and Genyo Takeda are basically just engineers we don't hear very much about. So I'll just go over their names real quick. There's Junji Takamoto. Uh, he is the section manager for uh, Nintendo IR. R&D. Uh, he developed the system structure and the controller. Uh, Kenichiro Ashida, he was in charge of the physical design of the controller and the console, as well as the logos and the packaging. And Kao Shiota, who was in charge of the technological aspects of the Wii. So these are like the, basically the five architects of the Wii, although Nintendo employees had a lot of input in the development of the Wii, which actually started immediately after Nintendo released the GameCube in 2001. Um, and this is something we're seeing a bit with the Switch, and this is going to be stuck in time forever because um, this podcast is taking place directly after Nintendo Switch events, about a week after. So it's it's uh, it's interesting. I'm seeing some corollaries in that um, the Wii was basically taking an underpowered approach. Um, Nintendo felt that cutting-edge graphics were not as important as fresh experiences, and they felt like if you give people good graphics, they only want better graphics after that. So if that is your selling point for a console, um, they're immediately just going to want more on top of that. And they weren't interested in that. Yeah, they made a really ballsy decision with this system not to give it HD output because yeah. yes, <laughs> at the point that yes. this came out, most people did not own HD televisions. I did not. But that was – it was right at the cusp. I had just bought one mm-hmm. to go with my Xbox 360 that I bought that summer, uh, like six or eight months after the system came out. Um, but, you know, that that put me at sort of the, the cutting edge of people. Like most people didn't own an HDTV, but it was right around the corner. And it was like, you know, with PlayStation 2 and DVDs, mm-hmm. like everyone was about to jump in to that market. So they made a very deliberate decision 
not to future-proof the console. Yeah, and, and it um, didn't really hurt. Hmm. I want to know from Michael and Brad, I mean, when did you enter the HD era? And um, was it was it um, you know around the time of the Wii? Were you playing the Wii on an SD TV when you were first playing these games? Or uh, it just so happened that the like HD era began. Because I moved to California in 2005 in November, so I got here obviously with no. I didn't. I moved out in a suitcase, so. I didn't have a TV on me, so it's like, well, I'm guessing I want to go to Best Buy, and they really only have HD TVs. Even in 2005, it was that or pay just as much for a gigantic four by three awful tube TV. <laughs> so that's around when I made the jump. Uh, even though I didn't get a 360 at launch, so I didn't have a console that made use of that HD TV for almost a year, I think. Hmm. And Michael, how about you? Yeah, I'm just curious think, as to. Uh, I think you know. I. Uh, I was on an SDTV for a while after I first got a Wii, and I remember, like, you know, obviously Dead Rising was something that kind of pushed me to think I needed an HDTV, but uh, for whatever reason, it was really complicated at the time. Like, I remember, like, now it seems so easy in retrospect, like, oh, yeah, 480p, 720p, 1080p, we all know what these things mean now. Mm. Uh, back then, there was, like, was all very this, confusing. This, this mystery and these very brand-specific terms floating around, and I, I remember we had an editor who was like, I'm going to write a, a guide to which HDTV you need. And he's like, but I'm going to have to, like, get into some hard numbers here <laughs> and, like, you know, make this really complicated. Three digits. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, almost right out of the gate, there was the, um, the week component cable thing of yes, like well if, right. you want, if you even if you even want the the p yeah. in 480p <laughs> right. you need this component cable which was the same as the GameCube one I think yeah, wasn't it, it no it was not it was not the GameCube one <clears throat> is actually really interesting because it has the decoder inside the cable huh. that is not built into the system that's why it's so rare and expensive because mm. the cable itself is actually doing the wow. progressive output huh. um, the the Wii component cable cannot be used on the GameCube. Ah. Um, yeah. And vice versa. And the GameCube mm-hmm. had that special output port that like yeah. only worked with yeah. this very rare cable. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah, one actually, just for F Zero GX. Like, wow! I, I can't make a pasta man. <laughs> I used to <laughs> sell it and, and like, put your children through college. <laughs> Whew, man! And oh, really? The GameCube man. and uh, SNES video control uh, video output cables were interchangeable. You could plug them into yeah, both of them. and you could still use that on the Wii. Oh, really? Okay. Couldn't yeah. you? Yeah, I, I think, think so. It might yeah. Be different. yeah. Okay. Um, no, I, I remember because, okay, so my I, I might be getting ahead here, but my Wii experience was that uh, I was assigned by request to review Twilight Princess for 1UP. And so that came in about a week before mm-hmm. the Wii launch. And I took the system home with me along with the component cable that they gave us. And I played on my HDTV and it was fine. But then like two days into the review, game videos needed the component cable to do some capture so I had to go into the office and give them that cable. And I was using like the standard cables mm. and composite, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was like someone was stabbing my eyeballs. <laughs> it was such a huge downgrade. Yeah. I was like, I can't play this. It's so gross. Fortunately, the next day I got the cable back and was able to use it to finish out the game. But man, like mm. it was, yeah, that was a precious, precious gift yeah. at that point. Mm. So as far as the development goes with the Wii, uh, the main goal was to create a system that would minimize power consumption as much as possible because it was meant to be left on at all times. So uh, their goal with this was to uh, consume as little power as possible. So the the kind of phrase they use or the kind of um, 
thesis they used to operate under was a console where something new happens every day. And uh, the way they talk about this in the Iwata Asks is like Iwata pulled a very Steve Jobs move and it's mm-hmm. like he comes in with these DVD cases. He's like, these two DVD cases, I want the console to be no bigger than this. Or maybe mm-hmm. it was three, but that, that was basically a stipulation. Like, we want this to be inconspicuous to fit within any existing entertainment center. It was basically like, we don't want this to look like a game console. Mm-hmm. We just want this to look like a, a tr- like a rectangle you can just squeeze into anywhere. It won't be, it won't get hot. It won't warm up. It won't make a lot of noise. It will fit into anything. Well, th- that whole uh, power consumption thing, though, like I remember I was uh, – th- the default thing was for it to be left on 24-7, that mm-hmm. it wouldn't power off. It would go into sleep mode. Yeah. And, uh, but I still used very little power even yeah, in sleep mode. But I, mean, I started noticing like a, a couple weeks in, it's like, oh, my God, when I touch this thing, it's red hot. <laughs> yeah. It did heat up, yeah. And I, I really liked the uh, the functionality that that twenty four seven leave it on uh, introduced because like th- I thought that the news channel was really cool like oh here's just a place that collates a bunch of stories from around the world and I can go and look at them I really liked the the map channel yeah. oh the the globe oh, don't forget don't yeah, forget yeah. the uh, the me parade yeah that was <laughs> yeah. that was my favorite yeah. thing about that like when the Wii first came out you know I was the guy writing about Wii at oneup.com with which had the big online community. So I started sharing my code and getting other people's codes. So immediately I filled out my friends list like day mm. one. And you could turn on like the, you know, the ability to get people's Mies to passively show up on your system. Yeah. And also people uh, whose Mies had showed up on their system mm. would come in. So after a while I had thousands and thousands of Mies. And uh, it was really cool to just like watch for 20 minutes yeah. as <laughs> this entire list of Mies <laughs> marched across. But the problem was – that whenever you took in all those Mies and uh, used the system for the first time, it had to like process that. Mm-hmm. And I would turn on my system and sometimes it would just be a black screen hanging and processing wow. all oh, these wow. Mies <laughs> for like 15 <laughs> minutes at a time. That. Wow! And I was like, is my system broken? But no, it was just like – I don't know, somehow spooling all these wow. Mies that it acquired. So that suggests like unlike putting a PS4 in rest mode where it could actually download and process things, like it was just kind of sitting there aware that like, oh, I have things to do when I turn on, but I'm not going to do them until it I turns guess. on. I guess. I don't know, but it was huh. it was kind of weird. So yeah. Michael has reminded us that uh, they actually didn't meet one of their goals, uh, but in a way they kind of did. They, they wanted to reduce the heat buildup so the fan wouldn't turn on at night. The fear that Iwata had was uh, a mother would he- or like a parent would hear the fan on at night and be like, oh, my kid left their game machine on. I'm, I'm going to unplug it mm-hmm. or I'm going to turn it off. And it's like, no, this thing needs to be on at all times. It is a thing that you use. It's a lifestyle machine. You need to check in on it at all times. And um, so the uh, they try to reduce heat buildup as much as possible. I believe uh, early Wii's had an issue with the graphics card in which – it might have been caused by the heat, like it, it like loosened some of the glue or whatever was, whatever was holding that graphics card in place. Huh. So you would see like corrupted graphics in 3D games sometimes with early Wii's. It never happened to me, but it was an issue mm. with other things. Um, Another oh, quick weird thing about those channels and the sleep mode and everything was the blue light that would pulse. Yes. When oh, yeah. you would know, like you'd wa- I'd get up in the middle of the night to get a drink of water. I'm like, why is the room glowing blue? <laughs> what? Like the first time it happened, I was I had no clue. That, and that, like, the I realized fact that it could light up an entire room. Yes. It's like and, uh, if, if it's anything's going to convince a mother that yeah. their kid's got the game <laughs> <Yes>. system on. <laughs> but this, the, the weirdest thing was like at GDC, maybe 08, 09, something like that, they – uh, it might have been Iwata. I can't remember who was in the room, but they gave a talk on like what it was 
because it would flicker mm. and it would pulse, and they described like what the flicker it was, was. Like a warbler or something. It was like a bird, it? and if yeah. you're like, oh look, here we'll play the birds, you know, ch- you know, man, what do birds do? Trill, yeah, chirp, tweet. Oh, that's tweets. What they do. There we go. Mm. Uh, and they like played a recording of that next to the light, and you could see it go like, whoa, 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 and it I, gl- glowed in in unison with that call, and I, everybody was like, huh. Well, anyway, when's the next Metroid? (laughs) I didn't realize they were using a bird metaphor for their LEDs. That's weird. I I feel like also you mentioned how bright it was. This was the beginning of the era where everything had a searing LED when you turned it off. So your Mm. room at night was just all these different colors emanating from different parts of the room. I really hate that. I hope that goes away soon. But it's like we can never have true darkness. It's always uh, a tiny light. I mask to sleep now. It's it's gotten bad. (laughs) It's like an air purifier, PS4. There's, yeah, there's just like if there's any kind of stereo, it's just like you walk in and like I can see comfortably in this room. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like it's like, oh, my, my 3DS has three lights, the yes. charging light, the online light, and the power wow, light. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Man. Anyways. Street pass. <laughs> oh, four lights. <laughs> So we should talk about the, the the craziest thing about this, and that's the controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously inspired by the accessibility of the DS, and it almost featured a touchpad. That was nearly something they implemented in the device. I'm, I'm assuming that either the technology wasn't there or it would be expensive. And um, as we know from Nintendo, they try to make uh, things as for as little money as possible, but do interesting things with that with that technology. Um, so the Wii controller came out of this process uh, before the Wii came out, where uh, Genyo Takeda created about 20 to uh, 10 teams, sorry, 10 to 20 teams of two to three people each. And their goal was to create a dedicated uh, peripheral for a game concept. And I believe the bongos came out of this, the Donkey Konga bongos <coughs> came out of this uh, this whole initiative. Nice. Um, but uh, one of the things that came out of it was this sort of a, uh, think of like a divining rod. I know that every, every kid has one in their backyard, right? <laughs> of course. But sort of this, this uh, so you're holding something by two prongs and there's one prong sticking out of it. And uh, that was uh, a concept for a game that never happened, but that inspired the Wii U, con- sorry, the Wii controller design. So it's like, why can't it just be a rod itself? Mm. Why do we need the two prongs to hold on to? So it essentially came out of that. But mm. I feel like the other thing was um, the metaphor of a remote control, again, trying to be accessible. Uh, people see that and they know how to interact with it. Um, uh, we talked about this on earlier Retronauts where I feel like my parents were cool with the NES. The second the Super Nintendo came out, it's like, this is too many buttons. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this anymore. And I feel like um, that, that's my worry about the Switch, not to date this podcast, but the Switch is sort of reaching for that casual audience with some concepts. But I feel like you, you pick up one of those controllers and there's like 30 buttons on it. And you're <laughs> like, okay, I uh, you guys can play with this. I'm not going to do that. So they really hit a sweet spot with the Wii controller. It had the simplicity of a remote controller. Controller, but with a lot of buttons that um, weren't overbearing to someone who had never played a game before. Yeah. I mean, it got to that point where, like, I mean, I think everybody has some anecdote of a, a parent who hadn't played a game since Atari or NES, and they were like, oh, yeah, we played any, we played that bowling game. It was great. And, yeah. I mean, and one of our friend's parents bought a Wii Fit and Wii U or a Wii and a Wii Fit just to do that. And it's like nobody was buying in 64s to, like, a parent. <laughs> to get in shape. Like, yeah, to get in shape or to, like, Keep up with their kids or anything. Yeah, I went to <clears throat> I went to Thanksgiving 2010 mm. at a friend's place in New York, 
and their elderly Vietnamese parents, like uh. immigrant parents, were still playing Wii Sports every day, and they like challenged us, and they huh. kicked our asses. <laughs> like they loved it. They they played it every day, and were really good at like Wii bowling and wow. Wii tennis. Well, you would hear all those stories about uh, the Wii in nursing homes, mm-hmm. and you know, old people who played video games for the first time and yeah. got into it because of the accessibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I still remember I was working at a newspaper uh, when the the Wii prototype, the first images came out. And my immediate knee-jerk reaction to those photos was horror. Yes. Yeah. Like this thing. I think we what, were all what there, is, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. There's no elegance here. Like what is this wire connecting one half of the controller to the other? Like what do I do with this? This looks awful. And, and like the, the, I went to my oneup.com blog and wrote about it <laughs> and how bad I thought it was. That's gone forever now, Michael. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. I'm glad mine's gone. <laughs> uh, but there was also the birth of the lifestyle shot of a bunch of uh, impossible – People playing in an impossibly large loft. Where, yeah, uh, I guess everyone's wearing white. Wearing white and like, like mental patients. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're in the waiting room for a uh, what it was boys to men video. Yeah. <laughs> and one of our favorite. When you die and go to heaven, you play Wii. <laughs> oh, if only. Uh, one of our favorite things to do back then, though, was around the time when the the and we'll get to this, I'm sure. Like. I don't want to say revolt, but the full-on, like, abandonment of, like, a hardcore audience. Oh, we, yeah, we'll get there. Around the time of that when, like, oh, Manhunt's coming out and blah, blah, blah. So mm. we would then make lifestyle shots of those games with Manhunt <laughs> and any other M-rated game. So it's this girl <laughs> swinging a bat, smiling, and in the corner, instead of we, we, we baseball, it's uh, someone cutting someone's head off. <laughs> I also remember, like, that weird uh, optimism about, like, before we'd actually used a Wii controller, just the idea of a motion control. Like, imagine... Yeah. What this will enable, and I remember like talking to uh, the some of the developers from Ukes about like, what are you going to do when you're bringing WWE games to the Wii? And they're like, oh well, you know, we've given a lot of thought to uh, to what we can do with that. Like, you can hold it like this and do a, a suplex or whatever. And yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later. And like, yeah, and then then we had the reality of the Wii controller. And yeah. It's like, oh, waggle. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We can detect four things with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it was kind of sold on a lie where we. I'm not going to say they were completely dishonest, but I think our minds jumped to this conclusion where it would be that one-to-one. I'm going to move the Mm -hmm. thing. It'll move in real time. It'll track my my entire body's movement (laughs) somehow. And I I think maybe uh, we were probably fooled into thinking that at first. We were fooled. We were fooled. (laughs) Wait, I I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) I I think we were all like under the assumption, uh, at least I was, like, oh, yeah, this will will track me throughout the room. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the technology is. But after a few rounds of Wii Sports, you're like, oh, I get it. I get what's happening now. And it wouldn't be until 2009 when Nintendo made that Wii Motion Plus, uh, Wii Sports Resort and Skyward Sword, where it it did uh, achieve the dream of that one-to-one, but it did take three years, and by that time, Brad, you're right, like, no one cared anymore about the Wii. And that Uh, was... At least, uh, you know, gamers, the important people. (laughs) We didn't care about the Wii. uh, I was trying to make a hard... Because I was still the Nintendo editor by this point, but I was veering away, I think... Well, at the end of 09, I was senior editor with... I didn't have to live entirely in Nintendo world anymore, but... One of the last things I remember playing and really trying to be like, no, guys, trust me, this is good, was Red Steel 2, mm-hmm. which was Motion Plus uh, third-party Ubisoft. Which thing. was about as close as we got to, like, that uh, lightsaber duel game that everybody Kind of, yeah. It was just like the we only one. was coming. The only <laughs> one I felt like that I felt like a, like, badass anime sword gun, like, trigun mixed with Full Metal Alchemist, like, somewhere in between. I was like, this is really cool, and no one's going to play this, and it will never be ported. It'll never be available anywhere. And that kind of sucks because the first game got kind of a 
middling reaction, and then the second one is like, eh, forget all that. And the Motion Plus helped that game immensely. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Dragon Quest Swords had that effect, yeah. even though yeah. I wanted it to be good. Uh, I believe Jeremy had the best pun in the world uh, for that game. It was, Did I? You called it Slime Crisis. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was so smart. Uh, that's why I remember that. Uh, but, I mean, if you think of the GameCube controller, Nintendo, uh, they're mm. like, this is the logical conclusion of traditional co- controller design. I dis- that blows my mind. I disagree. <laughs> I, this I is mean, not the logical conclusion of anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of it, I mean, you pick up a GameCube controller, you know what you're doing with it, but that is the most alien thing to a non-gamer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A bunch of different shapes, a bunch of different colors, uh, like hidden buttons. It's uh, asymmetrical. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. A C-stick is there, but they're like, well, what do we? What, what could we possibly do from, from here? Like, they didn't want to make it a uh, traditional controller, make it simpler, but they just decided to go for the Wiimote. And then we have the, the litany of accessories. We have, Ooh. of course, the classic controller, <laughs> which always bugged me because they would never do the uh, X and Y buttons with the divot in them. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that was an SNES thing only, not Super Famicom. Com, correct. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, but I love I love that just by by feel you know which button your fingers on your thumb is on. Of course, we have the nunchuck, uh, which was essential for analog controls. It just attached to the Wiimote. Uh, the Pro Classic controller, which was basically a, a very traditional X, Xbox PlayStation style controller, invented basically for Monster Hunter Try. Really? It, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, that's not a factual. I'm, I'm sure that um, it helps. You know, it I helps. feel like I'm trying to remember the launch of that, and I feel like it had to be timed around. Because when 3 came to uh, the Wii in Japan, it's like, uh, that's good and all, but we need a real controller yes. to play Monster Hunter. Hmm. Yeah. I can't remember the timing, but I feel like they're yeah, I think you're right. Close. Yeah. As I think about that, I do think that they came out at the same time, yeah. at least here. And then yeah, for here, yeah. We had all manner of uh, – plastic things for people with no imagination like uh, oh, yes. here's a tennis racket you can slide your the thing Mario into Kart steering wheel yes yeah, so I mean Nintendo <laughs> did that themselves god yeah. damn it but, uh, but at least that that sort of serves a purpose and like sure. you can hold the controller like a steering wheel and turn it whatever. it can theoretically improve your performance yeah, the, in the, a wheel the, the like, tennis racket the baseball bat the, these things do nothing <laughs> you're just making it a bigger stick yes. basically yeah. like the zapper attachment I thought that made sense yeah. sure. turn it into a gun okay yes that was yeah. like one the, of the original the idea things of it promised. made sense the actual zapper didn't make much sense. I, I loved uh, my favorite, details. My oh, favorite was uh, I think it was an entire raft that you sat in for one of the. No, that was, that was a for Connect. Connect. Oh, Connect. It was a, it was a whole branded raft. That you and, and, and I think somebody came up with it after like watching video of that one parade editor and his family play the the raft uh, game. Good. Anyway, it's good. The good, good thing Cirque du Soleil uh, wasted their time <laughs> introducing that to the world. That is one of my least favorite moments <laughs> oh, of the last ten years. Uh, I don't blame you at all. So uh, let's talk about the launch. So. I was on the sidelines, and I feel like it was the last time I really felt that just consumer mania overtake my body where it was like <laughs> I was driving back from my girlfriend's house. Uh, she lived a bit far, further away from me, and it was the day the Wii was released. And all of a sudden was like, I, I need this. I need this. Yeah. So I was like just driving around, stopping at every store, and I was like, I'm such an idiot. Why didn't I pre-order this? Why, why do I care about <coughs> it now suddenly? Um, but everybody else here was in the press, and, I, and I'm just curious as to what your launch stories are. Um, mm-hmm. uh, both of you guys were at uh, Games Radar, correct? And Jeremy mm-hmm. was at One Up. Um, Jeremy, let's start with you. Like, what was the One Up uh, Wii launch like? Um, well, you mean like for me pre-ordering a system, or like, um, at the site? As as a pr- member of the press. As a like, member of the press, what was what were the people thinking? What was the um, the the vibe? I guess. Of I mean, everybody? the vibe was like ha 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 waggle. But on the other hand. Um, Mark McDonald's coverage of the Revolution reveal in Tokyo was pretty much the most successful story we had ever run. I linked to that in the notes, so, and it's very positive. Yeah, yeah it's like, very, very positive. Like he had good things to say about it, and like we just blew off the doors with traffic on that. So 
even though there was this kind of like ah, ha, ha, Nintendo, at the same time there was a realization like, oh, people are into this. <laughs> and I think you know the DS's performance had been a cautionary tale also. Everyone dismissed that. And then after a while it turned out to be a huge deal. So, so yeah, there was definitely this sort of like almost a grudging uh, <laughs> coverage of it. Like mm. people knew it was important, but they kind of didn't want to care because it wasn't cool enough. Um, some people were into it, like legitimately, and some people not so much. Um, and there was always this kind of attitude that it was just a fad. It was going to go away soon. And it did after like four years. Yeah. Yes, yeah. eventually that four-year fad died. Okay. Mm-hmm. But no, it, it just kept outlasting everyone's predictions. And, uh, you know, there would there would be just enough like legitimately great games like Mario Galaxy that would come along – and kind of, you know, force everyone to reevaluate their opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were people definitely at 1UP and uh, in the game group who, you know, they would normally have enjoyed a game like Mario Galaxy, but they dismissed it out of hand because it was on Wii. So it was a very divisive system, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, genuine enthusiasm, genuine disdain, <laughs> um, some grudging respect, some crossover. I, I don't know. I guess, you know... Pretty much typical, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't poo pooed quite as much as the DS. Had yeah, been. and I mean, the Wii came out as all of the One Up podcasts were sort of taking off, so all of yeah. those impressions are really frozen in time, and yeah. there's a, there's a various <laughs> amount of them. But I just remember a distinct like fascination with this with this strange thing. Uh, I want to do Brett's story last because he I know his story is the most interesting, or, the, or at least the most outlandish. Uh, <laughs> do you want to know about my pre order experience? Ooh, tell me. <laughs> because you know, even though I reviewed the Zelda Twilight Princess and had access to that Wii, that was the, the company's Wii. Yeah, I went out to the uh, GameStop at Fisherman's Wharf at like 4 or 5 a.m. Uh, and ended up lining up there with a bunch of other guys from the Davis Game Group who had the same idea. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I think I, maybe it was because of the PS2 launch. There was just this instinct that like we probably need to jump on this thing and get the pre-orders in. So we lined up really early. We pre-ordered, prepaid the system, and then – you know, when the game fi- the system finally came out, yeah, it was sold out everywhere. So those of us who had pre-ordered went to the midnight launch at Fisherman's Wharf again. And uh, I remember going there with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and one of her schoolmates. Uh, they were, you know, photography students together. And they, like, roamed around Fisherman's Wharf for hours taking photos of stuff. Mm. So I, like, went in. I got my system. It took, like, 30 minutes to buy the system and some games. And then... They were nowhere to be seen, and this was uh, like I had a cell phone at this point, but uh, they weren't picking up. So I was like, okay. So I went to the In-N-Out Burger with this expensive video game system that everyone Everybody wanted. wanted, yeah. And it's like 1 a.m., and there's yeah. all kinds of weirdos at this 24-hour In-N-Out Burger at Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah, yeah. any fast food place in SF is, is a part homeless shelter, part yeah. halfway house, part mm-hmm. – I was like, well, I'm just going to sit here and have some french fries and play Final Fantasy V on Game Boy Advance <laughs> and review it. Wow, yeah. So that's my time capsule. The shortages are, are interesting because I feel like uh, – I don't know what the Xbox One and PS4 were like because I was catastrophically unemployed when those came out. But um, – <laughs> This feels like the last true console shortage in a big, big way. I mean, the the PS2, there was a huge shortage. I remember being uh, reserving one in, like, May or April and being one to the last before they cut them off. So I had one on launch, but no, nobody else did that I knew. And this one was the same. Like, uh, the console came out in, in 2006, November. 
I was looking for one. I did not get one until February of 2008. Wow. I was on one of those, like, uh, Amazon will will text you when there is one in the store. You have to run uh, to your computer and wow. get one, and that's when I got one. But it took, like, 18 months almost yeah. to get a Wii. There was a, a little Japanese cafe just around the block from me. Um and it's like this little hole-in-the-wall shop. You go buy some food, whatever. And they had, you know, like little handcrafted knickknacks and stuff in the window that you could buy. But up on the counter, they had a Wii system that they were selling for $400. Oh, my God. And eventually it disappeared. I'm so sure I think they did, actually yeah. sold it yeah. for and, that huge markup. And the reason I, I ordered a Wii U when they went on sale because it was just the novelty of like I can just buy something with money. I don't yeah. have to stand in a line. I mean I don't know if the demand was there as it was for the Wii. But the novelty uh, of just being able to buy a console was what got me the Wii U. And I, and I still like it. But it was just like, wow, I can actually buy this thing after, yeah. after 10 years of, of shortages and waiting. Yeah. Uh, Michael, how about you? Where were you? What were you doing? Were well, you interested? I don't remember. Of course I was interested because, you know, we'd all been seeing months of hype about this thing. I don't remember the the mood in the Games Radar office so well. Brett might have a better memory. I seem to remember, like, yeah. Nintendo sent us one in, like, a box that made mu- uh, played music when you opened it. Oh, no. There's there's a little bit more to it. But, okay. <laughs> I think that was the... One of the three DSs, wasn't it? Yeah, or the, the DSs. Yes, came like a the DSI. I think came in a cake. That yes, was a, a stupid yeah. cake yeah. chained to several women. No, that was yeah. a three DS. That was a three DS. <laughs> but my, that was an odd choice. God, I don't miss those gimmicks. My pre-order story is very sad in that I had two stores near my house that uh, I thought were likely to have Wii's, and there were a Toys R Us and a Comp USA. And I went to the Toys R Us and it's like, oh, man, there's a huge line. I don't really want to wait in that. I'll go over to the CompUSA. Hot, there's no line here. This is great. And so <laughs> I, I went out and, yeah, st- stood outside and, yeah, like, yeah, and waited for opening. And, like, some employees started coming in and letting themselves in. And then somebody came out and was like, can we help you? <laughs> like, yeah, are, are you guys going to have the Wii today? And, like, hang on, let me check. And, like, went inside and talked for a bit. Like, no, no, we're not. We, we don't have the Wii. I'm like, so I go over to the Toys R Us, and the line is pretty huge. There's like about maybe 30 people. Uh, well, they hand out tickets, and there's like maybe 30 people in front of me from the place where the tickets cut off. So, uh, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, we're out of tickets. If you don't have a ticket, go home." And so, like, knowing that it's like, if I'd just gone straight there and hopped in line, there was a chance that I probably could have gotten one. As it was, I had to wait until like February, I think, and. Like watching those sites that are like, this target in Colma or whatever will have (laughs) this many Wii's in on this day. And so like going to – I think the target in Novato had uh, like one of those alerts. And so I like woke up at like 5 in the morning, went out, stood in line with a ton of other people. Wow. And uh, was near the back of the line when they were handing out the tickets, got one. And But I remember like – and then we had to wait like another hour or two before they'd actually open the store and let us all in to buy them. Yeah. And during this time like I kept seeing like dads with their kids in tow coming out at like 8 a.m. <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, you should have gotten here earlier and, you know, had the, the – uh, angel and demon on my shoulders going like, maybe you should give your ticket to one of these kids <laughs> so they can have a nice Christmas or whatever. And like, no, 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 screw them. <laughs> More I, for me. I got here mm. first. And then when I got in there, it was like this long procession of what games do you want? And everybody's like, Zelda. Yeah. What game do you want? Zelda. Zelda yeah. Everybody. Pretty much. Uh, Brett, I know you've got an interesting story to tell about yeah, this. Yeah. Well, the, that, the story of like, oh, there's not – 
when's the next time we'll have a legitimate shortage? All these stories remind me of the classic NES. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's exactly. Not, it's not yeah. quite the same thing, obviously, but yeah. like, it is a console. It's it a console. was the last time I saw people lined up and uh, like desperately trying to. Like, this Best Buy says they'll have six tomorrow morning, and then you go and s- there's sixty people in line, and I'm like, why did I even do this? Like, I, I, I of course I wouldn't get here because someone's going to show up at three in the morning. Um, but that, that just started reminding me of another Nintendo recent memory of shortage. But so the Wii was weird for me because like I had only been a games journalist for a year, and you know all through college. And I mean, you could argue most of a waking life like that's what I want to do. I want to be involved in games, writing about games, like whatever I can do. Like I don't know precisely what I want, but even at a young age, it's like this is the direction I want to move, and. Then it finally happens. I could freelance for a while from the Midwest, and then you eventually get a job offer and you move out, and then I'm doing it. And I'm assigned the Nintendo editor. Uh, that's what I interviewed for, so that's why right. I was doing it. But it was a tail end of the GameCube, which was not glamorous either because, like, that last year the GameCube was kind of like – It was uh, bad. Yeah, so I was like, well – Hey, Odama, right? <laughs> Odama. I mean, the, <laughs> Remember the X-Men, the official game of the movie or whatever, and, like how much worse it looked on GameCube? I reviewed five versions of that beautiful oh, game. Geez. But it was like – it's like, I did it. Okay, well, the GameCube is kind of fizzling out. It's been four or five years. But the next machine, the revolution, man, I can't wait to see what that's all about. And then around April or whenever it was they revealed the Wii Remote, the office kind of gets pretty snickery because it's like, really, that's your controller? Mm-hmm. And the Wii, the DS hadn't blown up yet because the DS Lite wasn't out in the U.S. yet. So it was it was very skeptical. And, every, and I'm kind of <laughs> like, oh, boy, is this the machine I have to cover? This seems like a disruptive lifestyle thing that, like, that's not why I got into games, and that's not why I wanted to do this. And I, like with less than six months on the job, I'm like, am I even like the right person for this? Because I'm going to go in like, where's Mario? Or like, I, I didn't know. It was such a big question mark. And then that first E3 was like, here's Project Hammer, and here's a paper airplane simulator. And it's like, where's a game that I can play? <laughs> Wait, what did Project Hammer turn into? I think they just killed it. it turned oh, into okay. nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. It turned into an unseen sixty-four article. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's that, a lot of things to do. Yeah. And that was just a run around and waggle instead of push a button. And I'm like, that's not crazy, interesting, groundbreaking stuff. You just replaced a button press with a shake, which is what ninety percent of the Wii games turned out to be. Yeah. But then around the launch, it was like they Nintendo had an on-site thing in their office to play Twilight Princess for like three or four days and. Really being able to sit down and play Zelda at least was like, okay, I'm at least into this. The waggle's a little weird, but it is what it is, and the game itself is great. So I'm at least on board for this. Playing Wii Sports was like, I get why this will be big, and trying to convince people in the office to not be so dismissive when there's like a PS3 on the horizon and 360's finally coming into its own and all the hype around Gears and all this other stuff. It was like... And HD, 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 the new era is here. And you're like, well, there's my regular definition of <laughs> bowling game. And hey, man, that's 480p. P. But, but then by the time the thing launched, it was like, yeah, guess what? They turn Wii Bowling on and everyone in the office wants to come yeah. over and play. Yeah, and it's like, absolutely. there you go. So the, the mood, like you said, is very divisive. It would be like when it's not turned on, what a piece of crap. The moment it turned on, it's like, I bet I could take you in tennis right now. <laughs> and, and that was fun. But – when it finally came out, they delivered, I guess, the first units like uh, like maybe a week early. And the way that they did that was they drove around the Bay Area in an ice cream truck and handed out Wii's from this ice cream truck. Whoa. Like, here's the office Wii. I thought that was the Wii U. 
No, because like I was, I guess they did both. They might have done it again, yeah. Because Wii U, I was that, by then I was at Capcom, so I didn't, I don't know what they did mm-hmm. for that, but it could they maybe they went back to the well with the ice cream yes. truck. <laughs> they just but, threw it through a window. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take it, get it. But so I went from like these super conflicted thoughts to. It just so happened they showed up on my birthday <laughs> in an ice cream truck handing me the new Nintendo system with a copy of Zelda on top. And I'm just like, this is the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> and because I was the Nintendo editor and no one else – like we had a pretty small staff. So like you were the Sony guy yeah. through and through and we had a Microsoft guy and we had a PC guy. So it's like no one else is going to use this. So while it wasn't mine, mine, it was no one else's like on personal use. So like it felt like I was being handed this – we of my own and at a time when I knew this is going to be so hard to find and I don't know it was just a very specific happy memory and then over the course of a couple of years um, it went from this very cool novelty to I'm now trying to argue why no 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 Dead Space Extraction is actually a really cool (laughs) interesting idea because like look at all this cool shaky cam stuff and and they didn't just try to port a crappy version of Dead Space over they they did something different and if even if it's a mediocre to good, at least it's something completely distinct. And I, I thought extraction was really cool. But mm. um, I remember you thinking extraction. Was I really thought cool. it. There were so many cool, gross-out moments in that game mm-hmm. that were horrifying, like cutting <coughs> off cutting off your own arm. Like, well, it was an interesting approach to like it, it, everybody else just saw it as like this is a light gun, the shooter. light gun game. But it was like you're embedded in this thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing was in it that I forgot about this part. The lead up to it, um, right after they. I think right after it had launched, that first Christmas had passed, and now it's like January, February 07, and I, I could I felt like already like this is gonna fizzle. It may <laughs> it may take two years, it may take two or three, who knows? But like, Wii Sports is a huge phenomenon. All the people who lined up for this aren't gonna come back in the same droves for a Wii Sports two. Uh, the third parties are going to abandon this like has happened over and over and over again with Nintendo machines since the N64. It's a hot launch or – well, not the N64. But you get a good run the first year or two and then by the time you're ready for a new system, it is a drip feed of Nintendo-only stuff. And I'm like that is what is going to happen. Uh, not quite because third parties – I mean a Just Dance just came out for the oh, Wii. Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, so it wasn't t- – but uh, nonetheless, I, I it was the first article I ever wrote where, like, the internet got mad at me. And it was on Gaff, and I'm like, wow, that's that's what it's like. Did they, like, did they call you a journalist in quotes? No, I, okay. that, that hadn't really started yet. Uh, but I, I was also like – I'm not a – like – Yeah. Like, I, since, <laughs> since you brought up the Wii Sports too, like, uh, do you remember Wii Play, I think it was, mm-hmm. and why everybody bought it? It came, with yeah. a, it came with a Wii remote. And those yeah, were hard to find, too. impossible to find. Yeah. yeah. But my, that article I wrote was like the top seven Nintendo mistakes of history. Because like, we were also mm-hmm. under an edict to write controversial things. Yes. And, and thankfully, only had to do that for another mm-hmm. year. And then we found the real legs of the site, which I was much happier with mm-hmm. about 08. But mm-hmm. the number seven entry was the Wii because I'm like, I can't put it any higher because I don't know which way this thing's going to go. Like, it's going to be a success, but at what cost? Like, I feel like this is going to come back to bite them. And everybody's super hyped on it right now, but please try to imagine yourself two years from now when we are three, four years into an Xbox and PlayStation world with HD everything, and they're going to tap into these systems in ways we don't know yet, and the Wii is going to be this, like, GameCube Plus with Waggle that we're sick of. And I know that's going to happen, and it did, but at the time it was like... How dare you? (laughs) It was the most how dare you, like, and everything else in the article was, like, you know, obvious things from the past that anyone could argue and whatever, but... I don't know. So it's just this the, – the whole year, first year of the Wii was like highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and mm-hmm. lows. And anytime there's an appointment, 
here comes the shovelware where it's like this is a mini game collection and like you guys are going to boy Assassin's Creed looks kind of cool I guess uh, <laughs> and that's why to this day I've never played one you're on Elf Bowling three I right? haven't I haven't played like any Assassin's Creed I haven't played any uh, Metal Gear since the first wow. one because I'm like. I don't have any time. Like, my professional life is, like, review and interview and preview all this Nintendo stuff, which is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Okay. It, it was, at least Prime 3 came out. But at what cost? Yeah. At what cost? Prime 3 was great. I like Prime 3. I thought it was, it was pretty stuff. interesting. Like, if you looked at kid-oriented media at the time, like, uh, even, like, daily newspaper comic strips, like, the uh, depiction of playing a video game <clears throat> changed dramatically. It was like kids now just standing in front of a TV waving wands around instead mm. of sitting there with controllers. Like or I just that was... an Atari joystick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought that was kind of significant and cool that it's like, oh, yeah, this has become what a video game is in the minds of a lot of kids and adults. Yeah. I did want to go over some more launch stuff before we take our break. Uh, just some notable titles. We went over the Wii Play thing. It was an okay collection of mini games. I think it was originally going to be the um, pack-in title, but I, there was some weird weird argument I didn't write down where Nintendo didn't want Wii Sports to be a pack-in. They wanted to sell it. It might have been an America-Japan conversation that sure. eventually mm-hmm. they they buckled and put Wii Sports as the, the pack-in title. But, of course, uh, Twilight Princess was the killer app, although we are facing a very similar situation now with the Switch in yeah. which it's on both and it's kind of identical. I mean, in this case, they mirrored it because uh, they assumed everyone's going to be right-handed playing the game, so they needed to make Link right-handed. It's an odd choice to me. I feel like it didn't really matter because it wasn't one-to-one. It was just like, I'm going to do like make the swinging motion. It doesn't matter what hand I'm using. Yeah. But um, I, I felt pride. Uh, I felt like some shameful pride. Is like, well, I can't get a Wii, but I le- at least I have the true Twilight Princess, <laughs> the non-flipped one. The really valuable That's one. really, really worthwhile now. Oh, I sold it long ago. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sure the Wii U version of... Uh, of uh, Breath of the Wild. We'll <laughs> oh, do the same that's thing. That's the one I'm going to play, so good. Mm. Uh, so we have Red Steel, of course. Uh, people seem to like it. I, I Like you said, Brett, Red Steel 2 was much better, but it was like the, the dark, mature game for the Wii yeah, at launch. I remember playing... I don't, think I, ha- I don't think I reviewed that for some reason. It got farmed out to someone else, and I... When we tried to play it in the office just to, like, verify the review, it was like, is this on point? Let me play a few hours, and just, like, nothing seems wildly off, and it was just like, I'm not... I don't like this at all. This is like... I don't know. I'm guess I guess some people must have enjoyed it, but yeah, I, I just remember like again when you're when you're like side by side with like all these other launch games that are all shooters and Call of Duty, I guess that was three in '06, which wasn't one of the better ones, but it was still just like man, this is not a this is not a competitive game. I think though in that Wii bubble, it's like you have to take me seriously now because I'm playing a violent game. Yeah, you know, I've got yep. a sword, and yeah. that that was like the the dream of, again making the like lightsaber game yeah. for the Wii that never happened because I think at this point we all hated Star Wars and uh, <laughs> we didn't want to hear about Star Wars for a while. Wow, so yeah. Um, yeah, and okay, so other no, everyone wanted that lightsaber game, <laughs> yeah, the Jar Jar disemboweling game. <laughs> um, yeah, there were 22 launch games, which is so crazy to me because you yeah. know launches are so small today. But um, we also have Wario 
smooth moves, uh, which was okay. Uh, not the best WarioWare game. I feel like that that kind of team was moving on to Rhythm Heaven. I don't even know if this was the same team that did the old WarioWare games. It might not have been. I know Touched was not um, the WarioWare team. I'm not sure if this one was, but uh, Twist is my favorite. And, uh, yeah, so it was mostly about Zelda, even though it was a GameCube game. Uh, I'm guessing a lot of people didn't have a GameCube, uh, much like a lot of people didn't have a Wii U. So they're going to just assume this is the game for this system. And uh, one thing to talk about is uh, the amount of uh, screen-shattering horror stories we heard (laughs) all over the place. Um, Even though every game started with a reminder, like, don't do this. Don't stand by this. Watch what you're doing. Tether the thing to your wrist. And uh, at at Switch demos, they they buckle that thing to your wrist because they don't want you to swing it across the room, break their TVs. Mm-hmm. But um, there were all these stories, of course, uh, very sensationalistic in, in many cases, like Nintendo is breaking your TVs. And uh, they would eventually ship them with mm. these Wiimote condoms. Yeah. Uh, mine came with them. Uh, it wouldn't be long before that was uh, standard. And I've yeah. never hurled yeah. a Wiimote controller despite um, never tethering it to my hand. I don't know about you guys, but nope. it's just like it's no. not hard to hold on to. That was one of those other indignities of uh, time to go to my appointment. All right, suit me up. Like <laughs> they, You can't shoot footage. They wouldn't let you point a camera. Like trying to do – even Skyward Sword era in 2011, like trying to do a story about that at E3. And they're like, you cannot be in the shot without this thing wrapped around your arm with a condom on. Put like, this helmet on, Brett. <laughs> uh, like, give me the give me the Pentium dude astronaut suit. Like, whatever. Get your mouth guard in. Uh, when I put the condom on it, I can't feel anything. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Tale as old as time. So one thing I didn't want to talk about, and it's kind of dark, but I feel like the story should get out in a, in a way that it reflects reality. Uh, we have someone who died uh, as a result of the yeah. Wii Mania. Yeah. And it was a, a contest held by a radio station. It was called the Hold Your Whoa. Wii for a Wii contest. And this was just an example of gross negligence by this radio station. I feel like people do like to victim blame in cases like this. Like we saw a lot of that. Like there is the infamous um, coffee story about McDonald's from the 90s yeah. where it's like if you hear what actually happened, you're yeah. like the narrative I heard was a pro-corporation, yep. uh, victim blaming, not reflecting the actual situation. Oh, this dumbass spilled coffee on herself. And now yeah. everybody's got it. Whoa, the coffee's going to be hot. But it was actually yeah. – you know, just negligence by a corporation. In this case, uh, they were doing this this contest where um, the the people on this radio station would have to drink eight ounces of water every ten minutes, um, and that's already dangerous. They did not consult any doctor. I believe they might have even called a doctor during the show, and then the doctor said, like, "That's dangerous." And they were laughing, and they were laughing like, "What if somebody died?" They were clearly just sort of making light of uh, the situation. They had no idea would actually kill someone. Um, so things got deadly when they upped the in take by uh, twice the amount because they're like, uh, no one's going to actually have to pee before the show is over, so we need to make them drink more water. And um, uh, the woman, I don't know if she won or not, but she basically died when she got home. She was a mother of four, and um, it's a very sad story. I suggest you read about it if you have the wrong impression of it. But um, the husband was later awarded $17 million, and 10 radio station employees were rightly fired. And um, I'll link to this in in the blog post. I feel like the narrative, again, was like, oh, this dumbass drank too much water. Way to go, dumbass. But, again, you're in that situation. You're trusting these authority figures. You're like, why would this radio station contest murder? me you know i i I, I wouldn't know off the top of my head like a lot of water i mean will kill me like like, our bodies are 98 (laughs) percent water this was the first point uh a lot of people including myself knew that dying from drinking too much water was even possible and like it's such a like really i feel like i I learned that too but but again um in such a short amount of time like i would think like if i didn't pee for like days or something like that would Mm -hmm. cause this awful backup and that i can wrap my head around but like a matter of hours, yeah. I guess. Like, I wouldn't, 
I would off the top of my head, I wouldn't think that. It's called it's called water intoxication. And again, it was. Um, I mean, we see radio stations doing stupid, goofy pranks, and this was not planned out. It was very manipulative and exploitive, taking advantage of the fact that people wanted a wee. And what makes it even like just so sad is that it's it's a young mother. I believe she was in her late twenties, like trying to get one for her family. Mm. So I'm glad this this resolved well. The husband got a settlement, and people were fired. And do we know the animal theme names of the radio host? <laughs> it was Ding Dong and the Badger. <laughs> <laughs> Out to murder single mothers. But yes, uh, I will include a link to this on the blog. Sorry to go to a break on such a dark note, but hey, uh, you know, justice was won and uh, these people will probably never work again. So we'll see you after the break. I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> So we're back, and uh, we have been talking about Wii Sports on and off because you can't talk about Wii without talking about Wii Sports because it's the game everybody played. And um, it's interesting to see uh, how it was sort of the Super Mario Brothers for a new generation in that um, Super Mario Brothers was the game that we all played. It was like sort of this ubiquitous game. Everybody had it, Everybody had it, of course, because it was a popular pack-in. Or we at least knew what it was. Um, I looked up the stats on this, and uh, again, this is sort of uh, not a great comparison, but... Um, Wii Sports, quote-unquote, sold 82.78 million copies wow. um, versus Super Mario Brothers 1's 40.24 million copies. So um, almost twice as many people conceivably have played Wii Sports than Super Mario Brothers. And I wow. feel like oh, Jeremy is uh, giving me a <laughs> rude, rude those hand real gesture. Numbers. They're real numbers. No, I, I mean, like, that's not the number of people who played the game. Oh, no, I, I know that. It's, but I mean, I feel like it like for us, uh, Mario was ubiquitous. For uh, people, you know, twenty years younger than us, maybe fifteen years younger than us, uh, that was their Mario. Like that was the game everyone had played. It was the game everybody had. Um, and you you go to someone's house and they would have Wii Sports on the TV. I just feel like it's strange to think of uh, how this game we consider a keystone for our lives, or sorry, not a keystone, but um. Touchstone? A touchdown. There you go. Uh, is not as uh, prolific, I guess, as uh, Wii Sports. Although I'm not, con- we're not counting like virtual console sales. I'm not saying it's more important, but uh, it's interesting just to see how wide the reach of the Wii went and compared to things that we think are pretty ubiquitous. Yeah, it's one of those things of like, if you're dyed in the wool gamer for life, it's it's there's something that you don't want to accept of when you hear the the numbers involved. That like, no, 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 Super Mario Brothers is definitely. Yeah. More important or whatever, but it's that same thing of like with Capcom. It's like, oh, what, what the best-selling Capcom game of all time? Resident Evil Five. Oh, the one that. Oh, the one that sucks and it's just terrible. And it's like uh, that's six, but <laughs> yeah. But it's I'm like, sorry. Uh, but it's just one of those things where when you hear it, you're like, how is Street Fighter Two? How is Mega Man Two? How are these games the ones that everyone still loves? How is yeah. that not the biggest one? And it's like, are you five? What? Yeah. If and you then, want your oh, sorry, Brett. Yeah, but then when yeah, when you hear Wii Sports, you're like, hey. yeah. If you want your heart to be broken, uh, think of a game you consider important. <laughs> then look at what Nintendo sold compared to it, yeah. and you will realize. Your dreams are nothing. <laughs> Your life is meaningless. Your tastes are poor. Well, dogs yeah. are pretty great, though. Dogs are pretty great. Yeah. I'm looking for Nintendo birds, though. That will never happen. <laughs> um, so uh, more about Wii Sports. No, but you've got uh, Yamamura in Yamamura. Super Mario Maker. 
Oh, you're right. Yeah, he's a pigeon. That. Who's yeah, like, I forgot hey, about what's that guy. Up? <laughs> so uh, these were different mini games split up between lots of different directors. Uh, again, this is very much in the collaborative spirit of the Wii, and it was Miyamoto's idea to release it as a package rather than develop each sport as its own unique um, release, which I think was key to this mm-hmm. being the like k- the killer app of the Wii. Not, it wasn't just bowling. It wasn't just tennis. I feel bowling was the most popular one. No one really played boxing. They played it for like thirty seconds, and they were like, "This is too. I'm tired. Yeah. This, is, this is too much." But yeah, Miyamoto's like, "No." This will be a package. And uh, interestingly enough, golf is actually a best of of the NES games courses, mm-hmm. which uh, Iwata himself programmed in mm-hmm. the early 80s. <clears throat> yeah, a lot, of, um, a lot of the, the events in Wii Sports are basically NES early black box games. Yeah. So in a way, this was kind of like the second coming of the NES, like this very casual, broad appeal, very, I don't want to say populist because that's become a dirty word. But um, It was a hateful system. Yeah, right? <laughs> the white nationalist console. Um, no, it's uh, it, it really felt like Nintendo looking back to the past. So, you know, we, we talk about, oh, it's not really a logical extension of what had come before. But in a way it was. It yeah. was just in a different way of looking at things. And that was, that was really – central to Nintendo's strategy with this. They talked about the blue ocean and everything, but the idea was to, you know, they had, they'd seen diminishing returns, Super NES to N64 to GameCube, like playing by the same yeah. rules as everyone else, trying to outpower everyone mm-hmm. else. They just couldn't do it. So they said, well, let's do it differently. Mm-hmm. And with that and, and DS, they did a brilliant job. They kind of created their own monster because now mobile gaming has become even more yeah. appealing and casual and accessible and that's eaten their lunch. But, you know, for like five years in there, Nintendo really had something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it goes without saying, though, but the key to the success was just the immediacy. It's you, They're just translating the sport into a very reductive version that how to play it. You don't need really instructions. They give them to you, but it's just like, oh, I swing I swing the bat. I swing the racket. I, I, I you know, underhand the uh, the bowling ball. <laughs> I, uh, I punch like I'm punching in a game, in like a real life. In a real fight. Yeah, exactly. And... If, to anyone who didn't play a game like that, this, there was no intimidation. There was no "I'm going to look stupid." It was just like, "Oh, it's this easy." And I, I knew parents and grandparents and people who would never play a game outside of this play Wii Sports. It was a very much a family event. Uh, this this game, this phenomenon. And I think of like uh, Nintendo again. We're we're trapped in time. We're we're just after the Switch announcement, uh, the Switch events. I'm thinking how they led with the one two Switch game. It feels very much like a kind of attempt to make a party game like this. But again, it's not as immediate. It's like, oh, you all know how to play Kendo. Right or you know you all know how to milk a cow with L and R buttons, right? I feel like it's a little too high concept uh, when compared to Wii Sports. Just it's like also this, this not swinging. as immediate, and yeah. it's not a pack in. Exactly, so you won't play it immediately yes. when you open your system. You'll yeah. pay you'll pay fifty bucks to play that party. Yeah, you'd think if they're trying to like, I mean, I guess the the theory now is like they're not trying to get those people; they're trying to get Nintendo fans and like to you know ignore everybody else. But it's like if you were trying to replicate the Wii success, like yeah, Nintendo fans aren't going to buy one to Switch. No, they're not. Exactly. Like it's not for them and or it's not for us, I should say. And it's like 
you should just pack that in because it works so well in North America for Wii Sports. It should come sports. pre-installed in the yeah, system. Yeah, 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 there you go. Uh, uh, just, yeah, to, to, to Take up most of its 32 gigabytes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we're trapped in the past here, people. But I do want to talk about the channels. Um, it really feels like they were trying to embrace Web 2.0 with all these social functions that weren't entirely functional. So we have um, the idea that, like, this will be a machine that every member of the family will check in with even if they don't play games. So we have things like the news channel, the forecast channel, um, and it, this this does feel like it was this one, one window of time before smartphones where this was novel. Like a smartphone has replaced all this functionality. Yeah. The iPhone would be a year from the Wii's yeah. launch, um, less than a year actually. Yeah, it's like, Not everyone had one, but eventually everyone would. Mm-hmm. And um, so some, some of the design ideas were like – so the channels are displayed like TVs in a department store. Again, they're trying to make this a very familiar mm-hmm. – um, a familiar visual layout for people to not intimidate them. Um, so some other channels we have the Wii message board and calendar, which was okay. I mean, like, I liked how it would put your uh, what you're playing and you know how yeah. long you're playing it. I think if I go back to my Wii shell in my Wii U, I can go back to 2008 and see what I was playing on yep. certain days still, which is mm-hmm. which is neat to me. I, yep. I can go back and see what I did. I've seen like Mario Galaxy nine hours or something. Wow. Like yeah. that. that's what I did that Saturday. Well, right. even now, like starting it up, like I went back and played Skyward Sword for 20 minutes recently, <laughs> and then like there's that little. You have a message that pops up and it's like, oh, you played Skyward Sword for 20 minutes today. Okay, great. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, champ. So uh, this is something they're actually doing with the Switch. So we have play history like we talked about. Um, this was implemented so the game console would not seem like a hostile presence in the home. Uh, so a family member could conceivably keep track of how long you're playing games and tell you not to play. Iwata wanted to make the Wii so it would automatically shut down after a specified amount of time. But that that would have caused too many problems with the software, with certain functions. And I believe they're doing that with the Switch. Am I correct? Um, I, don't, I, I think that is a function yes. of... After two and a half hours, hours your battery dies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it automatically. I think there's some video with Bowser and Baby Bowser. I didn't watch it. I saw screenshots, but I think there's some sort of functionality where you, the parent, could be like, "No more video games." Boop, and it'll turn off yeah, or whatever. You, it looks like you can set uh, with it using a cell phone app. Like, okay, yeah. he's only going to play for two hours. It seems like a very outdated mindset, though, because like again, I'm only around like niece, nephew, and they're in that age range. I don't have kids of my mm-hmm. own, but like. Everyone's on smartphones all the time. Yeah. yeah. So the idea oh, I can't that play like, Switch, okay, I'll just go play with my iPhone. Yeah, no, it's I'll like play Minecraft. Yeah, and it's like the idea that like this kid's gonna. That I I don't know that a kid's gonna sit in front of a console tethered to a TV for more than an hour at a time, like to a point where you need to turn it off. Like, <coughs> like they're they're raised on distraction and different screens and That's like true. The distraction idea, is now a reality. Yeah. Yeah, but the idea that like stop playing that game, it's like. But everyone's on their phones. The parent is. And I'm, this isn't me like, mm-hmm. kids today, <laughs> our lives are going down the toilet because of technology. Like, not at all. It's just like that's how we all are. We're always looking at our phones. Yeah. So the idea that, like, <laughs> well, parents might want to turn the like, I don't think they will. That's a lot of uh, micromanagement, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are like, okay, I'll just go talk to some pedophiles on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, back to my Snapchat. Like, you know. <laughs> That's back okay, I'll go hub. post some Pepe memes. <laughs> oh, so uh, one thing we did not talk about at all is the the memes. These uh, well, these these sorry, cartoon representations. I did talk about them. Well, okay, I'm sorry. I was not paying attention then uh, to the show I'm hosting. One quick thing about the channels, though. Oh, sure. One channel that actually did get a lot of use uh, – and it came out maybe a year after was the Everybody Votes channel. Oh, yeah. yes. And it would just give you a binary, like, 
favorite thing, cat, dog, favorite type of movie, this, that, or whatever. But Pizza like, or cheeseburger. Yeah, and they would ask you silly questions, but like every week we would sit down and be like, oh, man, uh, the results are in. And you could break uh, it down by state and be like, why did Wyoming, everyone loves hot dogs over hamburgers, like what a bunch of weirdos. Like, mm-hmm. But every week there was some new yes-no question, and like we used that for right up until they shut it down. Same like, here, yeah. It, w- it was one of the later channels they added maybe yeah. a year or two after, but it was interesting, and it was very, very like – frivolous, but who cares? It was just fun to participate in that. And the news thing I thought was cool where you could change the view into a globe and you could move the globe around and the stories would stack on the country where they're from. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. And you could be like, oh, I I don't even know what country that is and there's a story. Let me look. Oh, a bunch of people died. Yeah. It was weird to to read about terrorist attacks using your Wii. Like, what happened in Yemen? Oh, geez. Uh, So the Mii channel, of course, we're talking about the Mii's. Um, These are actually based on uh, Kokeshi, which are cylindrical Japanese dolls with round heads. Um, this idea was originally meant to encompass three games, but they eventually built it as a system function of the Wii. So I believe these are going to be GameCube games based on this idea of you as an avatar hmm. doing things. Hmm. Uh, maybe it was sort of like uh, Polygon Studio uh, in the Mario Artist suite oh, yeah, for the yeah. N64 disk drive. This is super oh. deep, guys, so please look this up if you don't know what I'm talking about. But um, this would be ripped off by avatars, uh, the Xbox. Uh, I don't know if those exist Poorly. on the Xbox One. It's bad. I mean, Rare made it. You have to dig to find them, so my head-to-toe bomb man Mega Man 1 outfit dude uh, is still probably there. probably paid for or was... Oh, yep. Uh, and yeah. uh, uh, an animated Ed 209 from RoboCop is somewhere in that Xbox One. Uh, mm. Didn't they make it so that like if, uh, a snapshot of your avatar is now like the default yeah. uh, icon for your profile rather than like... As of the last time it was plugged in, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I had all these icons for my 360 and it's like, nope, we're uh, those are too small resolution. Yeah. Oh, so I got ahead of myself, actually. So the, the idea of the Mii came from a prototype called Stage Debut, and it was showed at a trade show but never turned into a full game. Um, they couldn't think of what to do with created characters after you created them. Uh, it was sort of like uh, this thing called Talent Studio as part of that Mario Artist suite I talked about. We never saw it here. It was a disk drive. Originally, the Talent Studio thing was you taking a photo of your face and, like, s- just smashing it against the, the Mii figurine. But they were like, that doesn't look good. Uh, we don't want people putting their buttholes on, on Mii's or whatever. <laughs> it's a lot of work. So, they did know, that they anyway. Uh, what's that? They did that anyway. That's true. They, There's they so got, many, they, like, anus faces and stuff. Like they that. got creative. You Life had to work. finds a way. Yes, you had to work for that. So, um and then the, the Siwata asks, um, they spend an ungodly amount of time talking about the photo channel. Um, uh, according to Ray Barnhold, uh, Retronaut, uh, who comes on the show every now and then, apparently there was a real fascination in Japan with looking at com- looking at photos on your TV. Huh. And if you remember those early PS3 units with every USB slot, every possible mm-hmm. type of media slot, there is there is a photo uh, photo card slot, whatever those are. Yeah. What's the, what's like the format? Like an SD I'm card of? slot? Yeah. There's like a big chip. CF card? Something like that. It yeah. wasn't SD, but it was specifically for photos. Mm-hmm. And there yeah, were... like Compact Flash, the big square yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I swear to God, they spent two to three pages talking about this photo channel <laughs> in the Iwata ass. So it was a big deal. But again, I have a smartphone. Uh, photos are just like nothing anymore. I take photos yeah. of what I eat every day, mm-hmm. basically. So who cares? <laughs> it's not like uh, vacation photos are this big deal anymore. You just see them on Facebook every day now. So yeah. So there's a few other things uh, dealing with uh, channels. We have the Everybody Votes channel, which Brett talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, check me out, where you submitted uh, me's. Uh, I think oh, yeah. they were like, can you create this historical figure? And uh, you could also download me's. Of course, Hitler, Jesus, Hank Hill. Hitler and uh, Jesus were yeah. the two big ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> lots of Hitlers, lots of Jesus. And one thing I thought was very uh, very novel was the YouTube channel. 
uh, you could finally watch YouTube on your television. Um, this was huh. this was before the PS3, before the Xbox had any apps like this. So huh. I was watching like full Mystery Science Theaters uploaded huh. to YouTube on my TV without having to you know tether my computer to it anymore. Yeah, huh. So that was pretty interesting. Please, I thought. please go and watch Game Boy World on Nintendo <laughs> Wii just <laughs> to say you can do it. That's the best way. I think I think your hits count twice on that <laughs> if it's a Nintendo video. Man, if YouTube can to this day still detect when a Wii is loading, then I'll be. <laughs> you've earned that click. Jeez. So, of course, we have to talk about the, the Wii lifespan. And um, everyone will have different opinions on this, of course. But my perspective says that enthusiasm amongst quote unquote gamers dried up shortly after Mario Galaxy launched. I feel mm-hmm. like that was kind of the game we were waiting for. It wasn't It wasn't Twilight Princess. It was an original game. It did some cool things, but after that, we're just kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't care anymore. Um, yeah. What does everybody else think about this? This My hypothesis. Mm-hmm. It continued to be my little buddy all the way through Super Mar- new Super Mario Brothers Wii. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And something we haven't really talked about is Wii Fit. Which was a big, oh, big deal. I was going to get to that, actually, oh, okay. yes. But, I mean, that gave the system a lot of longevity. Like, yeah. I started to get, you know, to make an, an effort to get into shape uh, around the time that came out, and that was kind of my starting point. I eventually left it behind, but it was a good and, like, kind of a, a, a launch point for me to kind of think about how to be more fit, more active. It was very much like Brain Age in that it was selling you a way to better yourself. And unlike Brain Age, this actually had, uh, it could actually work. It wasn't just like pop, like pseudoscience or mm-hmm. whatever. It actually had, you could actually work out with it. It could count your calories and <laughs> yeah. it could actually get you moving. Yeah. And Christmas, I want to say like Christmas break 2008, my wife and her cousin and her 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 cousin's boyfriend, uh, we all just like sat around for weeks just like playing goofy Wii Fit games like the penguin oh, yeah. game where the you're on the icebergs game. trying to balance uh, each other. Yeah, like it was it was very much the next step for Wii Sports. Yeah. It was very accessible and, you know, the balance board, I don't want to get too far ahead. Oh, but, don't worry about it. No, we can talk about this now. I mean, I yeah, feel like, like that it, was yeah. that was a great interface concept because it was much more precise than the motion controls. Mm-hmm. And using your whole body to control stuff. Like that was an idea that had been around in video games, you know, like the activator or whatever. (laughs) But but it never worked out, whereas this did. And it was very precise and would give you pretty good results on like your balance and doing Mm -hmm. yoga and stuff. But also for game purposes, uh, the way they integrated it with Punch-Out was Amazing. Yeah, that was, I never tried it with Punch I was, Out. Yeah, I was when I, I reviewed Punch Out, and like we made a little video where I'm like, uh, I know no one's going to do this, but playing this game with the motion controls, standing on a balance board, is physically demanding, <laughs> pretty responsive, and like this is the real deal. This is That's something wild. you've been promised for decades. As much of a fan of Punch Out as you are, Bob, I'm really surprised you haven't tried that. Because I never had a Wii Fit a, board in my oh, life. Okay, yeah. I have one under we my need, couch. Yeah, we need <laughs> to get you one. They can't be expensive now. No. But I really think you should try it. I think you'd enjoy interesting. it. Interesting. I, I just really assumed different. it wouldn't have worked. That's no, weird. It's, okay. it's remarkably huh, uh, responsive, and it makes you feel like you're actually like not just sitting on a couch. Like It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, well, so this was the, I feel like Nintendo was very smart in making this at the right time because, okay, so we have a lot of publicity about the Wii for non-gamers. It's on, like, morning shows, on Oprah and things like that. They're showing this off. After that fades away, they have a new thing to bring around to people to show off, like, like this lifestyle device. Like, this will help you get in shape. It's fun. My mom bought one because of Wii Fit. My mom bought a a Wii, which is crazy to me to think about that. The last time she played a game was on the NES, but she bought the Wii Fit. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was a big deal for them. I mean, they they flew us to New York to meet Miyamoto. That was the first time I ever met Shigeru Miyamoto. And uh, 
my photo of myself standing with him at the, and the Wii Fit board was like where I said, wow, I'm really fat. I need to lose some weight. <laughs> um, and did he give you like the thumbs down or whatever? <laughs> that's, a new, that's his new trademark. Yeah. Thumbs down to thumbs up. That was, that was, that was not – he wasn't into that yet. Okay. He wasn't, wasn't phallonized. He, he hasn't gone to, to gladiator style yet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it seems like a ton of deals were made when the Wii was at its biggest. And then all of these games came out when nobody cared. So I wrote down a few games. Um, no More Heroes, Mad World, Castlevania Judge. Epic Ooh. Mickey, even Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, all of these games came out after the party had ended. And I'm sure some of these sold well, but I, I think some of these went multi-platform because they didn't hit the Wii when the Wii was huge. I, I think no more, no more Heroes did pretty well. Yeah. You did? Yeah, that was early okay. on. The first yeah. one did. The second, yeah. maybe not so much, yeah. but yeah, that there was seemed sported. to be a lot of interest in that I remember, one. Yeah, yeah, No More Heroes 1 and 2. I, I forget if I reviewed the first one. I'm pretty sure I reviewed the second one. Second but you like, did. Yeah, that, that was like... At, at that point, like, this is the only reason I'm coming back to and booting up my Wii. I did enjoy that game. I like, just assume that nobody cared at this point. By, yeah. by two, it was pretty late. Yeah. Um, but there was, I mean, like I said, this base extraction. But even things like Muramasa and I'm kind of, I mean, Red Steel 2, like I've said over and over again. Mm-hmm. But there was always, like, every year, I mean, Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Like, there was always something. Deadly Creatures. Deadly Creatures Ooh, even is, is, like... Uh, De Blob, like there was always something kind of cute and fun and neat. It was mm-hmm. just so hard to get one, like for us, traffic for any kind of Wii review or Wii coverage by like 09 and 2010. Anything after New Mario, New mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers Wii, it was like, mm-hmm. like we had to like drum up like, what's an angle I can write about this review because no one's going to read the review. Yeah, even Mario Galaxy kind of was yeah. a, like a fart in church. Like, yeah. <laughs> was it there? Did it happen? Yeah, and, and I would. S- you could argue at most Mario Galaxy 2 was like the real like after this point no further because it launched against Red Dead Redemption. I, I, yes. Oh, wow. yeah. I feel like a bad person but I never really played Mario oh Galaxy 2. Oh my god, Jeremy. I played demos of it and I was like, oh, okay. I played it a little bit. Apparently it's much, it. much better, I than, think it's better than what I saw in the demos. You have to play it, Jeremy. You have to. I will. You have to play I, it. I will. <laughs> I command it. On the Switch <laughs> somehow. Uh, it's on Wii U for like but, 10 bucks. Yeah, I kind of feel like the, the drop-off was probably due to three things. Like uh, I think the, the PS3 and the 360 kind of pushed graphics a little bit further yeah, yeah. like and uh th- there's disillusionment with motion control obviously and also i think uh trophies and achievements might have yeah. played a pretty large part in it you're really right about that i don't know if we care anymore yeah. but we really care yeah then. yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly much and, more excited about king kong <laughs> than they were about the, <laughs> that because avatar a thousand game? points yeah. right there mm, baby yeah, yeah. well but th- that was like it, it was such a weird thing like for the first time like i feel like i'm getting some sort of lasting reward for yeah. the time that I put into this. I remember the peak of that was like yeah. all of us at Radar were all friends on Xbox and there'd be a point where there's 10 of us online right now. Look at all the crap we're all playing. Like we are we are all simultaneously and I would like go to the guide, look at, oh man, he just got 20 more. Okay, what what can I get? And like just feverishly trying to get this fake score. Oh, everybody get Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Play that was, 20 yeah. minutes. And then you would see we like try to play weird catch up. Like did Prime 3 have it like did, yeah. fake achievements? And it's like they don't display anywhere. Yeah. I think it might have sent a notification in that back-end calendar thing, like, oh, your friend got this thing, and it's like... Oh, there's another game that did that. Um, Conduit might Conduit have. 2, I think. Conduit yeah. 2, yeah. And Con- Bayonetta 2 on the too. Wii does that as well. On the Wii U, rather, does that too, oh, wow. because the Wii doesn't have achievements either. Yeah, uh, so we had talked about the Wii Motion Plus, uh, which was all right. Uh, Skyward Sword, I don't care for the game. I thought the technology was pretty interesting and how they made that work, but I don't know if they could ever port that game again. Yeah. Maybe it could be a Switch port if the... 
Yeah. I, I assume the Switch can do the Wii U Plus. Uh, sorry, the Wii oh, Plus more stuff. Than, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to assume it can. So maybe we'll see that again. I don't ever want to play that game again. I'm sorry if you like it. But uh, mm. so we have some other things. I feel like this is the last real era where a single game could vary between platforms. So we saw a lot of unique Wii versions of games yeah. like Dead Rising Chop Till You Drop, uh, F- Far Cry Primal, Ghostbusters. These were, these were all unique Wii games. <laughs> Those are some uh, – <laughs> that's quite a trio. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I can't imagine. Imagine what that Wii Dead Rising looks like. It can't be good. Uh, we played it not again not that long ago. Uh, I remember when it showed up for review, and I was like, "Oh boy!" <laughs> um, but I think we fired it up not that long ago, and it even especially now, you're like, "Uh oh!" There are like, four zombies, six zombies <laughs> in this mall, and just the clip clop of Frank's feet, like just. It just was strange. Yeah. Well, but oh sorry, Mike. And then the uh, the Wii Ghostbusters, since you mentioned it, like I played that for uh Video Game Apocalypse a while ago and like th- it has completely different content. Yeah. Like yeah. the levels are complete like you, you go to a in in the the uh the quote unquote real one, you go into like an architecture firm and blow it up and in the Wii version you go into like a game design studio and like there are all these game uh like pixel ghosts that attack you, and is there unique dialogue from the yes. real Ghostbusters actors too? Uh, yeah, I believe there wow, is. Wow. Okay. Wow. I, I kind of want to hear that because I it'll never go anywhere else. That's no where all the, this. the Bill Murray footage they couldn't get. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot it's, of it is just repurposed dialogue, and yeah. then it's like they they dice up the cut scene so there's like slightly less suggestive dialogue or whatever. Hmm. But interesting. Yeah. So we also have uh, the final Wii RPGs, and these all these all were happening oh, yeah. when I moved out here in 2011 to work for One Up, and there was all of these hand wringing articles like, "Oh, the JRPG is dead. Oh no, no more JRPGs forever." And then all of these games eventually came out: the Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, The Last Story, and Pandora's Tower. These all eventually made it out. I believe uh, Xenoblade and The Last Story were out in in Europe before they were out here for a time. Indeed, yes. in fact, we got the Xenoblade yeah. uh, localization from Europe. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, these are all big games. I mean, uh, Last Story was Sakaguchi, Final Fantasy Creator's last, like, true, real traditional RPG. It's a really Almost good game, like too. like it was his final fame. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that name has a lot to do with mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. Man, um, well, yeah, Last Story is totally the, uh, God, what was the Shinji Mikami uh, Evil Within, yeah, evil Resident within. Evil. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, these these are all. I didn't play Pandora's Tower. Uh, Xenoblade obviously has legs now. I mean, um, they just showed at the Switch reveal. They showed the new sequel. Uh, it's going to be Xenoblade Two. Uh, X was a Wii U game, so clearly uh, this game did take off after I believe it was like a 2011 or 2012 re- Wii release. These are all like 2011 or 2012. Yeah. I believe they're all 2012. Yeah, and Xenoblade came out on 3DS also. New yeah, 3DS. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, I mean, um, I feel like. These games, I'm just so glad they happened, but I have to feel like the, all these deals were signed when they assumed that we would be on top forever because it takes a long time to make an RPG. And just yeah. researching Xenoblade Chronicles, I think it was in production for like five or six years. It was in production for a long time. So even before the Wii released, I think. And wow. um, so these notes were written in November of, of 2016, back when we planned to record the show. But there are still new Wii releases, at least one new Wii release. It's hard to say Wii release. Wii re-release. Wii release So Just Dance 2017 came out on October 25th of 2016. So, I mean, it feels weird to do a a Retronauts on a console that is still producing games. But like the PS2, it's taking this this bastard a long time to die. (laughs) But uh, Just Dance 2017 is no Persona 4. Well, it probably doesn't help that the Wii U did not exactly push the Wii out of the market. Yeah, Yeah, that's true.
final questions, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, I want to know what everybody's favorite unsung Wii game is. I'll go last because I, I tend to go first and take the best picks uh, when I host a show. Uh, let's start with uh, Michael, if you're ready to jump in on this. Um, you know, I, I always kind of put on a pedestal Wario Land Shake It. I oh, think yeah. it was. Like that, that game just looked so amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Would you say Boom Blocks is unsung? That's strange. It has a strange Steven Spielberg uh, connection, yeah. correct? Like uh, it, got, it got some hype, but I don't feel like a lot of people really played it. I played it, and then years later, when Angry Birds took off, I'm like, why? Why was Boomblocks not this? Mm. You know, why was not this popular? I I played it like I I got it. Uh, <coughs> I remember when Circuit City died? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I went and like uh, made a big deal out of like everything's so cheap. I'm gonna like spend four hundred dollars and get two thousand dollars worth of games. And, uh, like, went with this huge armload of things, and, and one of them was Boom Blocks. And so, like, I got seriously into it over, like, a weekend, like, mm. just playing it for hours and hours and hours. And then, like, from all these, like, wrist-snapping moves that I was doing, <laughs> like, I built up this huge lump on the oh. inside of my wrist. Ah. And, like, I went to a doctor and, like, eh, it doesn't look like anything. Eh, it'll go away. And <laughs> That's and the most did. severe case of Bloom Blocks wrist I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah, Bloom yeah, Blocks? Boom Blocks. Boom Blocks. But, yeah, I, I haven't played it since then. <laughs> It did damage you. I think uh, our friend Chris Antista has serious nerve damage uh, from playing Skyward Sword yeah. with Wii Fit. Uh, sorry, Wii U Plus. God, Wii Plus. Wait, Wii Motion Plus. Wii Motion Plus. God, it's it's. Uh, I'm, I'm all jumbled up here. Uh, Brett, Get your trademarks right, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like I've said it over and over already with Red Steel Two. It's one of those like they announced it, and everyone in the room, including myself, was like. What's what else you got? And, <laughs> and then when it came out, I started doing the review, and I was like. This is really fun, and I don't. I haven't played it. In, I bet it was six years ago at this point, maybe seven. But I had such a good time, and I remember like trying to, like, really sell it in the review, like trying to make little video clips, to, like really get across how these prompts would come up, and you'd get in a fight, and there's six people surrounding you, and all these little prompts would come up where you can use a sword to stab behind you, shoot someone, juggle someone in the air, leap up, all from a first person perspective, all with this motion plus. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is the game that I was promised all along. And here it is, and no one's paying attention or cares. Yeah, I never yeah. played it. Gave it, a, wow. I gave a thing probably a nine because I was like, I've had such a blast, and it's like if you're reviewing this in the context of I'm a Wii owner and haven't had a game in a year, like this is like an unmissable thing, and mm-hmm. I it just seems like nobody hmm. interesting nobody paid aside. If I can put on my Ubisoft promoter hat for a second, here. <laughs> sure, uh, that's the, a big hat, Michael. The the, the yeah, lead guy you... on Red Steel Two is Jason Vandenberg, who's also the creative director of For Honor. Which it comes oh. out in February. Is he the guy in the Does kilts? Does that have motion control also? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's is he what? Sorry? Is he the guy in the kilts that came out? Uh, and the big beard? He had, he does have a big beard. Okay. I don't remember if he wore a kilt. When the game was announced, there was this, just uh, this this big guy with like a kilt, I think, and uh, he was Could just have been him. with a sword too. It was interesting. Uh, Jeremy, how about you? I'm going to say, even though I haven't really played much of it, it's it's one of those that's been on my list of things to do. I would say bucket list, but this game didn't have a bucket. Breaking from series tradition, it's Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, The Crystals Bearer, which actually might be the last Akitoshi Kawazu game to have come to the U.S. Huh. Oh, that's right. Actually, That was like the action RPG solo story-driven adventure with like this kind of like uh, sassy, sarcastic, dashing hero. And he has like the face tattoo that's a jewel stuck in his face. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that that. was such a weird game that just like there was a lot of talk about it and then it sort of came out over a Christmas holiday and just vanished. I think it was 2008, 2009. I I wrote about it. Yeah. I I interviewed him about it. Mm. 
was, I mean. It was and, interesting. You could play multiplayer. One person had the DS version. One person had the Wii version. You could no, do multiplayer. No, no, no. You're thinking of uh, Rings of Fate. Oh, you're right. Wow. This was this, this, this was not yeah. a traditional Crystal Chronicles okay. game. I was always this confused was by a, these. This was like a, an action-driven... Uh, story-driven, more single-player kind of game. Wow, I never mm-hmm. played this. I think I should check it it's, out. It's probably super cheap. Uh-huh. I, would, yeah. I would recommend yeah. getting it. That's one thing we should point out. I think every Wii thing is really cheap right now. I've been mm-hmm. scooping yeah, up... I think maybe like Xenoblade is expensive, but it's yeah. pretty hard to find an expensive game. Eventually, mm-hmm. though... Yeah, so look, grab up everything that you want to get right now while the getting's good. Uh, I think... I don't know if... Uh, Wii stuff will ever be as rare as like SNES games, but I feel like once people reach an age where they want to buy their childhoods back, that's when things yeah. go in price. Basically. And this is a million childhoods. Yes. Or a hundred million <laughs> Several childhoods. Several, sorry. Like, like a lot of childhoods. Um, and it wasn't great, but the Lost in Shadow was just oh, a really, yeah, a really yeah, yeah. cute like... I get that mixed up with Pandora's Tower, but yeah. I bought yeah. that for 10 bucks and I still need to play it. It's uh, totally fine. I, and I hear that kind of ruined Hudson though, <laughs> spending a lot of money on that game. <laughs> yeah. It's like the exact kind of game I love though. It's like, here's one premise that we'll just iterate on as the game like I love it reminded me of an old NES or Super NES game but yeah and we didn't really talk about WiiWare which was kind of like the oh, yeah, evil to counterpart that. to Virtual Console yeah they had like a whole like big like event like in 09 maybe 08, 09 for like here's the first batch of WiiWare like World of Goo and like they had some like big Lost push. Wins I think was one of the yeah. games something like that yeah and then like it just yeah. kind of like yeah, well, Nintendo. Yeah, they really didn't push that as hard as they should have because there was some interesting stuff. I mean, yeah. there were the Konami Rebirth games, yes, the Little mm-hmm. King story, yeah, and, uh, and Muscle March, of course. There was yeah, like Muscle that March, Dragon right. Quest strategy game. Yeah, with the yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, my my choice uh, is actually Little King story. Uh, it's on the PC now. Some mm. I, I wrote about it for US Gamer. Please me read my article there. I'll link to it. I love that game. It's a mix of uh, SimCity, Pikmin, and The Legend of Zelda. And it's really, really good. And then kind of in between your pick and mine, there was Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles' My Life as a King. That's, I think it's what Brett was talking about, okay. the WiiWare mm-hmm. game, My Life as a King. And then there was also My Life as a Dark Lord as well. Oh. I think I was meant your Little Oh, Little King, King story. story, yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a box game, though. Was oh, it was. WiiWare okay, game. Yeah. sorry. But uh, that game is great. There's a PC port that some people had problems with. I didn't. Your mileage may vary, but I love that game. It's so great. It's a little clunky, but it's got a great attitude. It's super subversive and has a really dark sense of humor. And it's super uh, great. It has all these great systems, and um, I can't talk enough about it. There was Little also like a Vita version that came out, right? That yeah. Was it a sequel? Is a travesty. Yeah. Uh, okay. It was not the same game. They, oh. they, they remade everything and made it sexier. I don't know why. Like, I want these waifus to be sexy. Uh, but I, it was... It was a really weird uh, remake. I don't know who did that, but it's bad. Uh, so final question for everybody. I know Brett's got to get out of here soon. Um, how do we view the Wii in the context of gaming history? Um, I don't really even really know what this question means, but I, I feel like it really uh, brought people back into games. I don't know if they stayed, but it made games less shameful. There's still that stigma attached to the games as much as I don't like it. Uh, it made people more accepting of games. Maybe they didn't come back, but I feel like it made games uh, something everyone could do for a brief period of time. And that was so nice to see uh, as as games are usually attached to the stigma of the basement nerd or whatever. Sure. Um, uh, I don't know if that uh, will ever go away, but I feel like there was a brief period where it was like, no, no, we're all into games now. Um, anybody else jump in? Like, how do you feel as the Wii fits into the context of gaming history? I mean, I feel like that's pretty accurate, but... For some reason, when I think about Wii, it, it for me it's more about the DS and DS Lite. Like it was a, a this precursor to to carrying a phone with you everywhere, touch screen. Like there were casual games for like anybody between brain age and and I mean even visual novels and Ace Attorney and all these things that brought tons of people in. 
and it also had some of the most hardcore games you can imagine uh, between RPGs and strategy games and action adventure. Like it had everything. And the Wii instead like had a really big boost right at the top of like Wii Sports. Like everybody can play this. It's in your parents' house. It's in your house. It's in nursing homes. It's in schools. But outside of that game, it became like a, 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 a stretch for them to keep people buying new software. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, and then as the years went on, I just feel like the DS is the one I would like really put my – like that's the machine that really made a big difference. Yeah, well, I, I feel like it it removes some of the stigma by turning video games into like a brief mainstream fad. Like the the kind of people who get up to watch, uh, you know, the Today Show. Yeah, that's right. Are, are you know we're really into it for like a couple of years, and then like with any fad, they just sort of lost interest. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like you said, like I can't imagine that they. Really, unless they had kids, they probably weren't really motivated. Like, I'm going to buy more stuff beyond Wii Sports. Yeah. I should have looked up the the sales for Resort because, like, to me, that was always, like, for the first few years, it was, like, whatever the sales of Wii Sports 2 are, that will prove or disprove my point that I was trying to make in 07. And I'm sure it did fine, but... I think it did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. But I still remember the the ad that was, like, in some uh, store circular or whatever, like, Nintendo Wii... Uh, was it turn off the TV and get off the couch and get active? Like, turn off the TV? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> How about you, Jeremy? What do you think? Um, yeah, I don't really have much to add. It, it's this sort of strange outlier in the normal history of video games. But I guess we kind of need to see where Switch ends up to see what it means within Nintendo's legacy. Mm-hmm. Like, was it the last gasp of mm-hmm. something that they were never able to grasp again? Or... Was it just like a new business model for Nintendo that hmm. Wii U missed out on but hmm. is going to be their thing going forward? Interesting. So that was our Wii episode. Hopefully we did it justice. I'm sure we'll do a GameCube one, a PS2 one. I want to hit all the big consoles. But the Wii was so unique. I have a soft spot in my heart for it. I still have my Wii U hooked up just to play all my Wii games, all my virtual console games. So I feel like the Wii will never leave my home until the Wii U dies. And I hope that doesn't happen soon. But uh, as for me, I've been your host, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I also write for somethingawful.com and fandom.com, which is my day job. I write about video games over there. And my other podcast is Talking Simpsons. It's every Wednesday on the Laser Time Podcast Network. We're going through the Simpsons in chronological order. Every episode of our show is a different episode of The Simpsons. And by the time this launches, we should be in season five. So we've got almost 100 episodes for you to listen to. So go to TalkingSimpsons.com or look up Talking Simpsons in your podcast machine and you'll find it. Everybody else, Jeremy, where can we find you? Uh, here at Retronauts. That's where I am. I'm at Retronauts. Well, you're in this room. Hey, don't we have a Patreon? And you quit your uh, damn yes, job. I did. Uh, yes. So we are now crowdfunded and ad-funded Retronauts on Patreon. Also GameSpite on Patreon because I'm making my videos part of this project. Um, you can find Retronauts on you know Twitter and Facebook and so on and so forth. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter as GameSpite. Uh, did I miss anything there? That's, that's all pretty much the usual good, yeah. rigmarole. Patreon.com slash Retronauts, and uh, there are incentives. And uh, all of our show is funded because of you, so if you like the show, a buck or two a month would be great. Michael? Well, I have a weekly podcast, part of the Laser Time Network, <laughs> called Video Game Apocalypse, which you can see our episodes on VidjaGameApocalypse.com. And yes, Vidja is misspelled, <laughs> V-I-D-J-A. Uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, or uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Wikiparas, and you can see some of the things that I write for Ubisoft at ubiblog.com. Cool. And Brett? 
Uh, yet another laser time plug here, but um, mm-hmm. I'll start with VG Empire, the game music podcast I've been doing for a few years. Well, five years now, geez. Uh, VG Empire uh, on Twitter um, just looks at various game soundtracks over the years. I think we just did a, uh, well, a wrap-up of the best stuff from 2016, so we had like Fury and Doom and uh, a lot of the new stuff, but a lot of classic games in there as well, as well as 302010 on 302010.net, uh, which is a podcast that we started in 2016 um, that goes week by week, every week, looking at that exact week 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. So you hear each segment of 87, 97, 2007, the music, the movies, the number one song, the episode of Seinfeld that aired that week. Um, and uh, just to always fun dating things like uh, PS2 Rogue Galaxy just turned 10 years old. Oh, wow. Uh, for the U.S. at least. So yeah, that was like the placebo for Final Fantasy XII. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. Um, so there's just always fun stuff like that, like when you know, every week. And it's, it's also really fun seeing what random things came out the same week. Like, oh, did you know the Challenger exploded the same week as the Super Bowl shuffle happened? And you're like, hmm, what? That was disrespectful of them to shuffle yeah. so much. And then like also, but then in 97, uh, this or in, that was 86, 96. But yeah, 302010.net. Um, it's one of my favorite shows that we do. I just love it. It's great. It, it is very much a, hey, remember? <laughs> but it is something that kind of regardless of your age or interest level you don't have to be super into games or anything it's like just were you alive then you probably have some kind of personal attachment to some decade but yeah cool there you go. thank you so much for joining us we'll be back next week with a brand new episode see you then 